0: Chaos is a type of mathematics used to explain complex behavior of nonlinear systems. I'm gonna be talking about complex adaptive systems um, as it relates, interrelates inter- with uh, chaos. Chaos is important to understand because um, it increases the understanding of chaos Theory helps increase um, our ability to predict the future, uh, uh, predict behaviors within complex adaptive systems. Nonlinear dynamic systems are systems like weather, um, stocks, relationships. They move, they grow, or change. It's difficult to predict the outcome of the future state of a nonlinear system, mainly because there's so many parameters involved uh, that uh, the interactions between the parameters have not been able to be understood. However, with deep learning uh, and the increased ability to understand the interactions between these parameters, uh, the world is beginning to understand some of these nonlinear systems. Let's take webcam, for example. Machine learning, as it applies to webcam, uh, now could be applied in JavaScript or Python to understand a heat map of body. And from that, um, able to identify through a convolution neural net, different parts of the body like eyes, nose, hands, and uh, arms, feet, legs. And so it can track the pose of the individual. What are the interesting aspects about the framework pose is that then the the webcam can tell when the person uh, wants to start recording or when an action is occurring uh, of a particular interest and it and it can identify what those behaviors and actions are the cyberspace of the net operates more or less independent of physical space terrain geography uh, and the built landscape, meaning cyberspace, attempts to symbolize reality into the virtual. With augmented reality and virtual reality, uh, now you have occlusion where uh, objects can appear in three-dimensional space. As you interact with them in virtual reality, the um, objects uh, in virtual reality can block uh you're like your hand. So like for example, if you have a plane in front of you and you put your hand on the plane, it knows where in three-dimensional space that your virtual hand or your hand is. And uh, if you put your hand behind the plane, then you won't see your hand. And so it does this uh, polygon sorting algorithm in the virtual reality. So the breach the of the real versus the unreal, is going to become more realistic as AI begins also to to learn uh, about objects in three dimensional space, and uh, begins to project um, the reality onto uh, the from the virtual reality onto the physical reality, and so that's going to be a bigger um, issue more and more as uh, these technologies become more pervasive. The World Wide Web provides inexpensive and ready access to the global computer network. Web cameras have, on an interpretive aspect, bridging the gulf between reality and virtual reality, mapping reality into cyberspace. People all over the world are able to keep in touch with everyone electronically. Now, with uh, uh, with, um, augmented reality and virtual reality, You can have a camera capture and uh, digitize your virtual or physical self into the virtual reality. And through uh, tele-networking communications, uh, you can see yourself in 3D um, on a remote location using augmented reality or virtual reality. People all over the world are able to keep in touch with everyone electronically," Goldberg says. "Our minds expand to all parts of the universe, supposing the world to be produced by our mind. But how does the mind justify reality? And that's one of the things that I was just saying earlier: is that the you know the, this breach in from the virtuality into the our reality uh, will have to have more." Ability to discern what is real what is not and there have to be a high level of skepticism in order uh, To prevent deception and one of those deceptions is deep fakes um, there's other deceptions like voice emulation and uh, Behavior emulation that is starting to become more popular Descartes skepticism poses the possibility of deception stating since our senses can malfunction, all information about the body and the external world is intrinsically unreliable. So, one thought is that reliability is established through rational justification. Epistemology attempts to determine how and to what extent our everyday beliefs about the world can be justified. So you have to start from what is known and then prove out through rationale and through experience, what is real. Conventional philosophy, abandoned epistemology, declaring there must be something wrong with the view that the mind as having an indirect access to reality. Our basic relationship to reality is direct. Global skeptical doubts are incompatible with everyday experience. Humans are essentially a being physically and spiritually in the world and assume the roles of leadership. So when you think about uh, perception, perception is a mental model projected into the physical world. And it is a guess on how that mental model will will work in the physical world. If those predictions are not accurate, then... Uh, then they, the mind has to come up with a new data model to explain the physical world or, or guesses it's making in the physical world. Cognition does not define existence, nor does the ability to mentally abstract. Um, but without abstraction, we cannot understand the, the our physical world. So... Cognition is the process of abstraction. Without roles of leadership, morality, and law, chaos would clash between spheres of intelligent agents. I think, therefore, I am is incompatible because it does not explain how humans make sense of everyday things and themselves and their relationships to other humans. uh, Again, I think it's largely the The associations we have with relationships are much along the same ways as we do with objects. Uh, We interact with them, we observe them, we watch how they behave, we make predictions. Uh, These are the same way with relationships. We understand those relationships, we establish the ispanology of what and how those relationships work, and then that becomes the basis of our reality in terms of those relationships. Continuous experiences, connecting meaning, aesthetic value are critical things for appreciation. appreciating man's existence. Goldberg believes that ispinology will return in the age to protect against deception in the age of virtuality. I um, absolutely agree with that, that idea. The four principles that, est- that established the bedrock of complex adaptive systems are equilibrium is a precursor to death, High levels of creative innovation and experimentation are found on the edge of chaos. You like the edge of chaos because that's where um, things start, the need starts to generate innovation. Uh, when this excitation takes place, the components self organize and new forms emerge from the turmoil. The challenge is to, dis- is to disturb them in a manner that approximates the desired outcome. Yeah, equilibrium is something uh, in any organization that is uh, not healthy. And uh, if you can move towards uh, disequilibrium and create innovation and change and, uh, and reinvent things uh, without jeopardizing the core, then um, you are better off. And so we will move to Surfing to the Edge of Chaos. This is, uh, this was a great book. Uh, it talked about uh, complex adaptive systems. And he said that there are three areas of confluence uh, that are stre- streams of inquiry. The first one is biology, the second one is medicine, and the third one is ecology. And uh, these three uh, life sciences then give insights into the social sciences and help um, facilitate the need for development in math, physics, and information technology. Uh, So we see, like for example, with machine learning and uh, deep AI, how very complex tasks or patterns can be applied in biology, medicine, and ecology to discover the rules and to make predictions uh, in the data itself, from the data itself. A complex adaptive system is formally defined as a system of independent agents that can act in parallel, develop models as to how things work in the environment, and refine those models through learning and adaption. uh, So as far as reinforced learning, and uh, you could say even um, some of the parallel, processing that's now starting to take place with neural nets, uh, that 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 would qualify as a complex adaptive system. But I would say for the most part, um, that has not been automated. This, this is more of a human quality of um, organization. The four principles that establish the bedrock of complex adaptive system are Equilibrium is the precursor to death. Higher levels of, cre- of creative innovation and experimentation are found on the edge of chaos, which is, I really like that. And when this excitation takes place, the, the components self-organize and new forms emerge from the turmoil. And uh, that's really promising that if you think about companies, what is a company? It's a network of people, like very talented peoples with highly skilled uh, skill, uh highly defined skill sets working together to solve uh, particular create certain problems or create certain solutions to problems and uh, um dealing with the constant change of the organization as it grows and uh, and increases in in capability so that from that things will self organize and uh and uh, people will attract certain levels of talent to come into the group and bring with them uh, new skills and diversity to the organization and making it a healthier organization. And This all occurs on the edge of chaos. So the challenge is to disturb the group enough in a manner that approximates a desired outcome so we don't want disruption just to create disruption or to um change the status quo it it needs to be a um disequilibrium so that it gives an opportunity to begin to uh improve the systems make complex excessively complex systems more manageable bring people together and resources so that they communicate at a scale and a level of collaboration that can achieve a desired outcome, so um, adaptive systems uh, are good for companies. The world is not chaotic; it is complex. That's very important to understand uh, that the desire is to make things more simple that has a high investment cost. It requires lots of planning. It requires uh, engineering, design, architecture, process improvement, uh, business intelligence of the data. And uh, Those things uh, come together to help explain the complex world which we live in. The world is not moving towards greater chaos. It is more moving towards greater complexity. And for that reason, we need the tools, we need the talent, we need the collaboration to help us understand this complexity. Self-organizing groups spark uh, dozens of breakthrough innovations and staggering reduction in cost. And that's because they're focused on uh, helping the group or organization achieve a desired outcome. And when you bring uh, the wisdom of the group together and uh, the group think there's uh, the opportunity to come up with an innovation that will have a financial impact or a organizational impact on the group. Corporations around the world spend about $50 billion in fees for change consulting, not including the fee totals. Uh, In the fee totals are write-offs, severance cost, and information technology. Yet, yeah, consultants, academic surveys, and reports from uh, companies indicate that 70% of these efforts fail. Social en- engineering does not work, characterized by central planning. Planning based on the predictable futures initiatives roll out from the top to the ranks. So, a uh, uh, commitment from senior management is very important for in a complex adaptive system to uh, support and facilitate change, and, um, and secondly, that um, social engineering is failure. Only thirty percent work, and so and then maybe even in that thirty percent, it had nothing to do with social engineering. Centralized planning in centralized intelligence um, is not going to work because uh, you have to have the market demand and the you have to go where the action is to understand what the issues are that are preventing change. The best organizational principles are on living systems. Living systems provide the best map for the mental framework for seeing order and disorder, powerful distinctions that accelerate change, mental hooks to rely on as we scale the cliffs of a worn out business model to reach the business model of the future. We want to plan for the future. Strategic thinking for planning of the future is a fundamental aspect of successful companies. And so if you're in, in disequilibrium or if you're in equilibrium and you're wanting to maintain the status quo and you're not planning strategically for the future, you're at the verge of death. The law of requisite variety, a law of cybernetics, states that the survival of any system depends on its capability to com- cultivate variety in its internal structure. I think that's one of the great innovations of the 21st century has been uh, the use of collaborative communications um, Systems and methodologies that allow teams to work together uh, to solve problems uh, and sharing of a variety of different ideas and thoughts uh, through verbal communication. uh, YouTube is a number two source of uh, media content in the world where individuals are sharing their information and these combined together to make. Uh, world that is very rich at the individual level equilibrium occurs when the organization matches the requirements of its environment while meeting its own needs with the available resources prolonged equilibrium is a precursor of a disaster whether it will happen unwillingly or by intent prolonged equilibrium dulls the organism's senses and saps its ability to arouse itself appropriately in the face of danger. Five years after, in search of excellence, half of the 43 companies were in trouble. So um, the recipe for excellence was not. Universal, organizational fit failed. Excess imposition of fit meant that it was impossible to change any single element of the system without changing every other element. Organizational fit lacked robustness and flexibility that exist in living systems. When you work inside computer systems, uh, one of the ideas is to build a model where it's generically uh, can be applied to all systems. And so in order to do that, you have to um, reduce things down to simple components. Uh, your structures have to be domain oriented as services have to be isolated um, into a single uh, or into a, a well-defined isolated functions and the interactions between all the domains uh, need to be handled at a higher level hierarchy and understood from a process flow so that all um, aspects of unit of work can be absorbed but in the the, um, the structure so, one of the things that's interesting also about organizational fit is that, uh, is that it, when you have kind of a, a very rigid hierarchy and then you try to change something in that hierarchy, um, it is so coupled, tightly coupled in the hierarchy that uh, things will break. A uh, classic example of this would be if you had a person that was in charge of accounting and then that person had to leave uh, the organization, then you would bring in another person with the accounting skills. And uh, and with the uh, uh, lower levels of customization, that person should be able to, to enter into the organization and begin operations. Now, whether or not that actually happens that way is probably reason why there uh would be some would, would be failure. So the system would then try to uh not uh be as flexible or it would move towards more disequilibrium, more outsourcing, uh better understanding of the components. But yet we live in a very complex world, so now the components are excessively complex, 7 or 8000 components interacting Uh, uh, hundreds if not thousands, or tens of thousands of people that support these systems. When rules become rigid, too rigid, or too numerous, the system freezes into inactivity. So the key is flexibility, and the only way you could have flexibility is through uh, micro-components. From the vantage point of the larger complex adaptive system, Selection pressures constantly enforce an ecology upgrade. So one of the things that he did point out is that the organizations have to become more organic. Uh, and That's probably why neural nets have become so uh, pervasive is they can find a signal in the data and and alert um, the help make decisions help identify classifications, um, help identify patterns. And uh, these type of things are kind of organic. Uh, And uh, also the decision-making has to be constantly capable of change and improvement. So uh, through the use of automation, more decision-making is going to be left to uh, the the. Um, artificial intelligence where it will use a routing system like maybe an AI operating system to route different decisions into other systems uh, and for assessment and determination on how to respond to certain results. Sexual reproduction maximizes diversity, chromosome combinations generate permutations and a variety in the offspring. It's critical to protect the reliable core of an organization's business platform while simultaneously plant and nurture the seeds of revolutionary change. Humans are now endowed with the conscious awareness and are capable of perceiving intellectually a threat before it materializes and through the exercise of intent respond to it before it's too late. Living systems usually respond to disequilibrium threats by attempting to restore stability. Adaptive leaders don't move on an issue too quickly or reach for a quick fix. They communicate the urgency of the adaptive challenge, establish a broad understanding of circumstances creating the problem, hold the stress until the leaders come forward with a solution. I think that was really interesting because holding the stress, um, keeping the focus, keeping the urgency uh, on the topic until the leaders or the individuals who can make a difference uh, will come forward with a solution. They'll, they'll f- uh, pass on the challenge to their team, the team will brainstorm, uh, it, it will adapt, and, uh, and then uh, a response will be created and uh, they will come forward with the solution. So it's not being mean, it's uh, it's just uh, helping the teams become, or the leaders, project, strong project managers, um, uh, empower their teams to come up with solutions, and so that's very important. Toy- Toyota does that; they have a strong project managers, and the strong project managers uh, bring the challenges that senior management wants uh, solved. and uh, And as a result, we've come up with uh, uh, fuel cell cars uh, over electric vehicles, as I've stated before. Why that's advantageous? Uh, they've also introduced hybrid. Uh, vehicles. The Prius was one of the is the most successful hybrid that's ever been created, um, and that was done in a, a five year period of time. And, and uh, amazing um, capabilities are produced by strong project managers with resources. So, and so, adaptive uh, leaders understand that that potential. Biologists have documented that nature favors cooperative traits over competitive traits. The human genetic system um, parallels process, constitutes elements in the order of 10 to the 30th combinations. Just a phenomenal number of possibilities in the genetic system itself. It's an a, a, uh, eternal pattern with an infinite poss- number of possibilities. Stuart Kaufman promoted self-organization and complex networks as a means to span DNA combinations, stating that there are far too many permutations, even after four billions of experimentation, to cover even the tiniest fraction of possible mutations that natural selection could bring forth. That's why I don't buy into the uh, evolution virus. It uh, It makes no sense. It can't explain... All of the possible uh, features of creation, an organism in an organization, an organization organism, uh, self organizing and emergence uh, flourish with simple rules and structures. Emergence needs a ripe issue. Now, self organization and structure almost is like uh, computer uh, autonomy, uh, where. Simple rules can create complex universal tapestries, and uh, so these simple rules and then structures and a lot of uh, energy from the system can result in a emergence or a new way of thinking, a new uh, pro- a state of, of of thought process. Self self organizing potential of a living system is enhanced by. Devolving power to the nodes, establishing rich connections to form networks, and enriching the networks with uh, valuable information. That's the second part of artificial stupidity, was the emergence of the network. And uh, the reason why the network is so important is, uh, is for the sharing of ideas. Now, there's not the, the difference is not just that there are lots of ideas, millions of ideas, or lots of ideas that are constantly being churned uh, that uh, stay within a certain node of domain, uh, but it's to see into a certain situation or certain environment, circumstances, and to facilitate interaction with other people to come up with ideas that may bring uh, newer ways to think about the existing environment. So, even though you could be in a third world country and very poor, if you had the $4 computer and you could connect to the cloud and you could do voice communication and you could talk with people around the world and share ideas, and the AI could organize and uh, file away information and bring and interact with you through natural language processing. Uh, that you could have these devices that you're talking to, that have either machines or people on the other end, uh, that are sharing uh information, to help you facilitate uh processes, locally, uh, despite your income. Uh, so that's one of the exciting ideas that I think uh, is going to be created by the network and. Uh, And uh, as energy is going to, needs to drop a thousand fold, computer needs to become excessively cheap uh, and uh, AI needs to uh, increase the navigation capability of the machine and allow for um, much richer interactions uh, for ideas. Silicon Valley is home to one-third of 100 largest technology companies. Silicon Valley generates 150,000 new technology jobs. The region loosely includes Marine County, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, Palo Alto, San Jose, and Santa Cruz. Information Age warfare provoked the Army to harness self-organization as part of, of its central doctrine. Um, the advent of the distributed information allowed the foot soldier or tank commander in the field to roughly know as much about what was going on as the generals in the command center and i saw this early in my career when i built a a client server application for communicating data on uh, uh, in a military uh, scenario i saw that uh, if you had a Ability to see, uh, translate human, uh, real world events into digital symbols that the person, commanders, and the soldiers could get an idea of what was going on in the battlefield. The key to focus on ar- arenas where there's lots of noise or heat and where conversations and structural inconsistencies resemble interstellar debris. That hasn't quite coalesced into a planet or a star, so there's potential. Uh, you know, if you have a star and everything's running perfectly, no one wants to upper, uh, um, uh, no one wants to disturb that pattern. But if there's if you're in the early forming of of the star or or planet, uh, that's the time to jump in and uh, get involved in that organizational process. The key to self-organizing resides in the field of tension between discipline and freedom. So that's your scale. That's the scale of complex adaptive systems. There needs to be freedom to create, but there needs to be the discipline of the data, the discipline of the direction of the goals that are to be uh, solved, the strategies to be implemented. And those have to be weighed out against each other, freedom against discipline. Juxtapose people from different fields and backgrounds and let their varied work histories enrich the potential of self-organizing networks. So we wanna bring everyone in, remove all the silos, flatten out the hierarchies, Uh, make a, a flat hierarchy in your management the leader is a context setter, the designer of a learning experience, not an authoritative figure with solutions. Okay, so that's an interesting thing. A leader is a context center, setter. He's going to set the context for the group. This is what the framework we need to work on. So you're going to devote a million dollars a month uh, for, to have a team. You have to have a framework in which uh, to focus that those expenses so that it then produces something of value. The works create their own answer, get after it quickly and aggressively, and it works, becomes the worker knows what's going on. It works because the worker knows what's going on, okay? So, yeah, that's what I said is that the the big thing about hierarchies is why they fail, is they don't go to where the there's heat or where the action is, is occurring, where the work is actually being done, and so um, there's a disconnect. So you need to go where the action is occurring. and uh, And then once you understand how work is getting done, then you start setting context, Context to direct the group uh, in terms of seven disciplines, infusion un, infuse understanding, talk straight, manage for the future, reward incentive accountability, harness adversity by learning from prior mistakes, foster relentless discomfort, cultivate reciprocity. So this relentless discomfort is very important. You don't do ch- start change until you are discomfortable, and once you are discomfortable, then you have a motivation to start to change.